This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Backblaze, unlimited, secure, and easy online backup. Start your free two-week trial at backblaze.com and start protecting your photos today. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by iFi. Point, shoot, iFi. Try it for free at twip.pro slash iFi. That's T-W-I-P dot P-R-O slash I-Fi. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Stride Health, connecting photographers and other self-employed workers with affordable health coverage and quality health care. Check them out today at stridehealth.com TWIP. This is TWIP, episode 436, Refugee Camera Tech. Fresh off of the heels of the yearly photography mecca Photo Plus Expo, the panel and I discuss a few of the announcements that various photography companies made at this year's show. For deeper and more comprehensive coverage, check out some of the links in the show notes. However, in true TWIP rabbit hole fashion, in this episode, instead of diving into all of the incremental announcements from the various vendors, we instead explore the idea that the point-and-shoot camera is becoming more and more of a refugee form factor. Is this genre of camera system now without a home or definable target market? Also, we discuss the declining prices of memory cards, this on the heels of Western Digital acquiring SanDisk for 19 billion US dollars. And lastly, we discuss some new announcements coming out of LensBaby, which spurred discussion around in-camera effects versus post-processing. It's Monday, October 26, 2015, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Got a really interesting show for you guys today. We're right on the heels of the 2015 um, Photo Plus Expo in New York City that I did not go to, unfortunately. I don't know if any, did either of you guys go there? Yeah. So we're, no. we're going to be people that didn't go pontificating about things that happened at, with the cool New Yorkers, the people that did go. To, uh, to the expo. So, uh, but before we do that, uh, let's welcome our two guests, Mr. Dan Ablin and Mr. Don Komarechka. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Frederick. Hello, Frederick. How are you? Always, always, always a pleasure. Hey, um, uh, I hear Mr. Dan Ablin that the, uh, I don't want to rub it in, but you know, I've got family in Chicago. I was yeah. just talking to him yesterday. They were complaining about how not nice the weather is there right now <laughs> no it's the... gorgeous right now seriously in yeah. chicago i mean it, oh. it got a little rainy this weekend but it's like 50 60 degrees fall weather it's great oh oh that is that does sound great yeah but they was were probably complaining. i think they were complaining because they're trying to get me to invite them to california Maybe well it's was... definitely nicer in california <laughs> yeah you know but it's 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 starting to get damp and a little rainy and another month it's just yeah, it's going to be I know. You know, nasty for a few months. But Enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's chilly weather. Yeah. Yeah. So before we, we dive in, Dan, what have, what have you been up to? Last time we talked was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. about a month ago or so, and you were uh, you had some changes that happened. What's, yeah. uh, what's been going on? 
Yeah, I've been just doing um, doing a few different shoots. Did some high school senior shoots, um, rebuilding my website. Uh, I've been doing some projects for clients, doing some 3D animations, and talking with some companies about some other things, which uh, hopefully will be happening soon. Cool. I love um, those mysterious, those <laughs> mysterious little, you know, we're gonna, I'm talking to somebody that I can't tell you about, about something that I cannot disclose that's going to happen at a time that I cannot reveal. <laughs> it's not necessarily NDA, but it's just uh, jinxing it more, yeah, more no. so, you know. I hear you. I hear you. Well, good. Well, welcome yeah, back to the show, you. man. Thanks it's always, for having me. Always good to have you on. Also, is Mr. Don Komarechka up there in the north there? How's the weather up in Canada? In uh, not in too Canada? bad, although there is a, a weather advisory coming in. We're going to be getting a pretty big uh, rainstorm coming through here uh, in the next couple of days. And the temperatures are dropping. We're getting closer and closer to the freezing point. We've dipped below that a couple of times already. So Very cool. it's... Yeah, uh, well, see, rain, we don't know what that is in California. So... <laughs> If you want to kind of divert that down to us, I, we'd be I wish I had for. the power to do that. Uh, <laughs> although I, I hear you had a couple of uh, freak storms in there, but not nearly enough to squash the drought. We had just enough to cause, you know, like flash floods and then it goes away, you know, because <laughs> the water is like, hey, what's this weird stuff? I don't want that. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, then all havoc breaks loose and now we're dry again. So, yeah, yeah, we need we need some water over here. So good cool. accent. You like that? That was my New Yorker. Was that New York or that was Brooklyn? New York. That was New York. It was New York. It was New York. Here's New York. I what can't do piss, it. Well, what Chicago is Chicago. Yeah. Oh no, no, Chicago's different. That, oh, that's, do that's, a Chicago. Can you that, do a Chicago? That's a little more. Um, uh, we're gonna get a. We're gonna get a couple of two. We're gonna get two, three, couple of beefs. Uh, Polish sausage. <laughs> uh, you know, that's classic. That's classic. My Canadian accent consists of a. That's it. That's my Canadian. If I say A, that's Canadian, right? Oh, there you go, A. Eh? We're a nice bunch of people up here. There you go. Oh. Perfect. We don't even lock our doors, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, enough of that. Let's dive into story number one, Photo Plus Expo. So Derek Story, who's a regular trip com- TWIP contributor and also an upcoming host on the network, uh, he contributed to an article on at CT Digital University that so basically, we're, we'll put a link to that. You can go check out like the big, big roundup. But some of the highlights of the announcements coming out of New York this year at this Photo Plus was Canon announcing two new enthusiast compact cameras, the GX5 and the G9X. I love the G9 series with one inch sensors. They also add, added, let's see, what is this? A Pro 1000 printer, the Image ProGraph Pro 1000 printer to their lineup. Sony announced the RX1R2 with a 42 megapixel sensor and an EVF. And Leica introduced a new full-frame mirrorless system with the SL601 and Pocket Wizard unveiled the Plus 4 transceiver with an integrated hot shoe. So, I, you know, that's like a tip of the iceberg of what happened out mm-hmm. there. If you've ever been to Photo Plus, it's just anarchy. You know, it's just... <laughs> craziness with new announcements from every single booth these are just like you know a, the literally the tip of the iceberg don Komarechka, from your standpoint what did you what did you see happening out there well you know i i, I like the new cameras from uh, from canon uh you know they again I, I think we talked right before we started recording that i like the edgy design um that is coming into a lot of cameras these days i, I don't know what yeah. that aesthetic is but it, it it really hits home with me um although i'm really questioning the marketplace for those particular cameras um they're gonna be uh, you know around the 500 to 700 dollar range uh, as far as a camera goes but at that point i mean aren't you going to be spending that money onto an entry level uh, digital SLR system uh, or a mirrorless system where you can change lenses. 
yeah. th there is a market for this. Fuji has cameras in the space as well, and and so does Canon. Um, it is the last vestige of the uh, the compact camera. And yeah. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, but it you know the compact camera. I look at these and I think okay, it's. The, if you look at it purely from the standpoint of dollars spent alone, yeah, you're like, of course, I could take that money and buy this different form factor system and all that. But if you just need a small camera that's awesome, that's really capable that you can just throw into your purse or your backpack or whatever, then you you really, you know, you can't really beat that kind of oh thing. exactly but then you see sony coming out with a camera at sort of almost the, the same physical size but with a much larger sensor uh you know 42 megapixels that's the uh the rx one uh, r2 but of mm -hmm. course the price difference is astronomical i mean that's well above three thousand dollars for that particular camera so i mean yes there is a place for this particular product uh, it's a 20 megapixel camera with a one inch sensor size um and uh you know various uh you know, lens options uh, for you to go back and forth with uh, one has yeah. a, a viewfinder and the, the optical, uh, sorry, the uh, the digital viewfinders that they have on these things. I mean, looking at it on paper, it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like yeah. there's a lot that's crammed into this particular camera. Would it be a camera that I buy though? That's really the question that it comes down to. And uh, it is right in a weird space for me that I don't think that it's that that there is a problem that it would solve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have thoughts on that. And I agree with everything Don said too because. I still like my big D3, my big Nikon. I like the big lenses. Um, there's just something about the quality of that. And my biggest thing with the compacts has always been the optics. You know, they keep increasing mm -hmm. megapixels and speed and all these other things, but it's always the optics. There's just something a little different. But I was a big fan of it years ago because I still have, this is a Leica Deluxe 3. I think it's about 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and I carry this around with me because it was actually, a, I'm pretty sure this was a full frame camera. And it was one of the first compacts to actually shoot manual, do aperture priority, shutter priority. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, but the optics weren't that good. And, and at the end of the day, it still looked like a point and shoot. Yeah. Um, last year, based on Derek's story's recommendation, this one is fantastic. Um, this is, which was. It's got to be an Olympus. No, it's a 3000, the Samsung. Oh. Um, this is a $400 camera. Oh, look at that thing. Came with a little pop-up flash. Let's see if it was there. Right? And yeah. you can change lenses. You know, yeah. so I would take it off. But you can change lenses. I carry around I carry this in my laptop bag every day. Um, and for the for the listeners, come come check out the video on YouTube or on our oh, site. Oh, you can see oh. the camera there. And it's got your thing that you like. See it's got the uh, you know that articulated lens? I do like that, especially the ones the uh, articulated L C D, the ones that flip up forward, specifically so that like if you're doing video, like YouTube videos of yourself. It's actually for a selfie, believe it or well, not. Well, I would assume you know, they can do video as well, right? Yeah, but as soon as you flip it, it turns it on, puts it in selfie mode, so you can just take a quick shot, oh, which yeah. I never do. Yeah, but... Sony, Sony's, Sony has a couple cameras that does that do that as well. And it's got a nice little retro uh, kind of brown finish. There was a couple of different finishes. but You know what I, what I argue? I want to get you guys to chime in on this, because I maybe three or four years ago, at least for me personally, and I want to see what you guys say, three or four years ago, for me personally, a smaller pocketable camera all in one like that made a lot of sense. Cause like you're saying, you know, I don't want to bring my big DSLR with me it's and yeah. And I, I, I still want to be able to capture decent photos mm -hmm. that are better than what you'd get with something, you know, less capable, but then something weird happened. You know, I made the switch to micro four thirds, obviously. So my cameras generally are smaller. So I have small cameras that I can take and put, you know, small lenses on, and they're essentially that form factor or even smaller in the case of the GM5. But what I've really found myself doing is not even that. 
it's more of if I'm going to shoot like serious quote photography, I'm going to bring my my full system. Mm-hmm. If I'm not going to shoot that, I'm bringing my iPhone with me. And that's exactly. that's generally what I shoot with. It's either that one or that one. Yeah, yeah it's that's yeah. What, that's why I just got the uh, 128 gig, the the success. And yeah, I'm that's sure. exactly what I got, you know, <laughs> and I'm like when and I'm probably answering my own question, but di- is that market like just gone? You know, I know I've read reports that, you know, the the iPhone and the smartphone camera market, Android included, are just kind of eating away at that all in one point and shoot market, I- at least here in the U.S. But I want to get your, your guys opinion. Is it am I am I unique in this thinking? I, I think that you are echoing the sentiment across the industry, Frederick, where we have uh, the smartphones, uh, any phone, regardless of, uh, of the tech in, involved in that, that is the camera in your pocket now, right? Mm-hmm. That, that has replaced the, the portable, uh, you know, smaller compact cameras. They, they, they really don't exist anymore in any meaningful numbers. Um, and on the other end, the micro four thirds are eating into it from the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So now when you have the option of, you know, a really bad cell phone or a digital SLR, there are options that are eating in closer and closer into this range, and it's uh, just a, it's another nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah, because I'm going. I, I find myself just wanting to get. I don't know. Like when I was in the Air Force, you know, it was it was cool because we had these awesome low pro bags with we had like five, seven, eight lenses in there to cover every possible situation and strobes and extra batteries and film and all this stuff. And it's like you pick that thing up and you're like, okay, I can handle anything that the world throws at me. Then you fast forward to 2015 and I'm like, I want as little as possible, but I still demand that kind of flexibility and even higher quality than I thought was amazing back then. Dan, do you, you feel the same way? I mean, is yeah, it, yeah absolutely. Think? I think, I think, you know, if you guys go out, you're at a restaurant somewhere. Have mm-hmm. you seen anybody in any group, anywhere, a tourist, anything with a little uh, Canon sure shot or anything like that? I can't remember the last time I saw one other than sitting in my drawer upstairs. Right. Um, and that's why I think, all these manufacturers are making two and three thousand dollar compact cameras with all this, all this, you know, meat inside it. Just because they're coming after our market, figuring, hey, you know what? We're the ones who are going to want the quality. Everybody else is fine with cell phone quality, which is really very good. But we want a little bit more. We want some of the optics. We want a little more control. So let's put that in a compact camera. So they'll. I think that's really what what's happening. Um, I wonder. I wonder if it's even if it's even more nefarious than that. I wonder if it's you know, kind of like the AOL effect. <laughs> so the AOL, wait, the wait, wait, a- I kind of remember exactly that. <laughs> America online. You've got mail, right? There's, there's, there's still to this day, a lot of people that pay their monthly subscription fee for AOL yeah. that don't know that they're really paying for nothing, you know? Right. So they're end of lifing that market. And they're just going to ride the wave out until they're down to the last person that, you know, that's doing that. So I wonder if something similar is going on in this point and shoot market where they're like, okay, we know the space is dying. Mo- the cell phones are highly capable and can do everything this thing can do and more because it's a connected device. Uh, but there's still people that just don't know that or don't or still be- believe that these little purpose-built cameras do a better job than the thing in their pocket already. So let's capitalize on that while we can, marketers, and add some features and draw them in to buy it until everyone wises up. Like this, I don't know. this Samsung actually has Wi-Fi capability. It'll instantly up- upload to your phone. Or you can get, you know, other Wi-Fi connections to it. Um, yeah. 
you, you know, know, my cell phone has Wi-Fi capability too. That's the thing. It's like, do I use that? No. Well, and, and the interesting no. thing about this is you've got uh, you've got a problem because these cameras, at least that the Canon ones that are priced into the multiple hundreds, the Sony's that are priced into the multiple thousands, these are not an uninformed purchasable item. Like you don't just walk into a store and and accidentally buy one of these cameras with your groceries. I mean, it's you, you have to be very deliberate in that purchase. And at that price point, I mean, within that range, you could get the best cell phone out there. I mean. On the Android system for where the Canon ones are priced, and I don't think any cell phone uh, will cost you what that Sony camera costs. True. And right. so, you know, it's all about the camera that you want to take with you. And I think it just yeah. boils down to that. A lot of people are okay with the cell phone in their pocket, and those cameras mm -hmm. are getting better and better. Uh, and if you want to have the control, then the people that want to have the control want something to hold on to. They want something maybe a little bit bigger. Not saying that it has to be big and bulky, but that it has to do everything under the sun with no compromises, and they're willing to pay for that. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder, like, these features in these cameras, I mean, and mirrorless included, there's a ton of features in the cameras that I own that I that I lust after. I'm like, okay, this thing can do panorama. It can do, you know, uh, mm -hmm. 4K video. I can do 4K photo. You know, all these awesome features. But to be honest, over the past year, I find myself when I get the, these new cameras, I'll play with those new interesting features. Even the 4K video, I find myself now just shooting 1080 because 4K. I don't need what are you all do that. With it, right? Yeah, I don't. I, it's not that I, you know, I understand I can punch in and do all this cool stuff with it, and, and I love 4K, the quality of it that I get that I can do with my cameras. But I find myself shooting 1080 instead of 4K because you know Premiere or Final Cut can crunch through it faster. You know, it's it's just a faster edit, especially if it's just going to YouTube anyway. It's going to be 1080 or 720. So you know, the 4K is like okay, I've like I got this camera because it's got 4K on it and it's got all this other stuff. But really, I'm using the 1080 video and I'm just shooting normal aperture priority mode all the time. Yeah. 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 And if you think about like the, the new Canon uh, cameras that were announced, they have uh, some special modes for astrophotography and for mm -hmm. improving uh, the, uh, the the production of a star trail image and, and reducing the gaps in between the, the images overall. And that's yeah. all well and good. But the person that's going to be trying to do that sort of stuff probably already has some other camera gear at their disposal already. And to be honest, to put that kind of thing together in Photoshop is so trivial. It's like two buttons to combine a bunch of images together and change yeah. their blending mode. Um, and so, yeah, Canon is trying to attack this with everything that it has, but, I mean, it's a sinking ship. And uh, I think, though, that Sony has the approach where with their cameras, if you're charging, you know, $3,000 plus for one of these cameras, you're getting into a completely other market. You're, you're basically, you're becoming the second camera in a professional photographer's bag. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so people might rely on that for behind the scenes footage. They know it's a full frame sensor. The ISO performance is far better for low light, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's mimicking a lot of the feel and functionality of their main camera. Uh, and then if you're traveling, if you want to go, if you want to go light, then you now have this extra little piece of gear that you can take along with you. Um, but I, I think that the people looking to spend between five and seven hundred dollars on a camera, they'd rather buy a cell phone for that money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm going to, I'm, uh, I've mentioned on the show before that I'm going on a trip to Vietnam next month, right? So 
the part of that exercise, there's a lot of things involved, obviously, in that exercise. Um, but one of them is getting obviously getting my camera bag ready, you know, so I, I'm, I'll tell you which new camera I bought that just came today a little bit later on the show. So I got that I got a new camera bag, the everyday messenger that all this stuff is going into. Yeah, great one. But you know, but one of the interesting things is like I was like I was saying before, packing for this trip 10 years ago would have meant a lot of stuff, you know, like it would have changed the dynamics of weight and everything for the flight. This time it's a small bag with literally two small mirrorless cameras and maybe three lenses. A couple of them are like right here, you know, maybe three lenses that are about this size. Changing 60 right? pounds of camera gear down to about six pounds, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or less. Yeah. And that's including, well, maybe not including, but, you know, on top of that will be a little 13 inch MacBook Pro and an, and, a, and an iPad mini, you know, and all that in one small bag. And that's what goes with me. That. I mean, that's a radical change, you know, and I, I think about that stuff and you kind of overlay that with where things were and where they are today. And, you know, things change a little bit. You know, I'm interested to hear. So, Dan, like you're a day in the life of Dan Ablin. Yeah. When you're out, <laughs> you grab. Yeah, that's a book title. You grab your bag. What's in that bag? You're like, it your, really your depends on bag. the day. You know, um, for a few years we were donating and we still do for our daughter's school for the play. She's in drama and theater. So we'll donate, we'll donate all the portraits. We'll take portraits of all the tech and the kids and the actors. And I would bring the D3 or the D600, bring portrait lights, everything else. Mm -hmm. We are actually doing it this week with that Samsung because that's how good it is. Yeah. And wow. um, however, you know, when I do the shots of the kids in rehearsal that they're going to put up on this and they're, they've got all the stage lights on everything else. I got the 7200-28. I got the D3 or the D600. Yeah. Um, it's just fast. It's the low light. I can get in close. And even if I had a long lens on there, it just wouldn't be none of these to me yet. These little cameras have quite that speed to shoot. Uh, plays on stage and things like that except for um, that sony that sony a7s series Those well you are... know my uh a, a friend of mine uh mr brad glansrock i'll call him out uh we've done some work together uh huge sony fan and brad's actually gone out on some shoots for me some videos i've done i am absolutely amazed at the video quality coming out of that thing on those a series mm -hmm. they're really really amazing so um you know years ago i had to bring <laughs> this is more ego thing but you know you get all the moms and dads little shoots at the the plays and things mm -hmm. i'm like yeah, excuse me and i had to take out the you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you know i don't care anymore now it's just it's it's actually kind of fun to have that much power in a little camera so yeah. Um, yeah. Will I? Yeah, and and I think I think the world is wising up too. You know, back then it was wow. You that look at that giant camera. You must be amazing. Ugh. Now I think people know that their cell phones can do some crazy stuff if you right. use them properly. So it, it's almost right. a detractor, in my opinion. It's yeah. becoming a detractor that oh, you're you still shoot with that kind of stuff, right. really? You know. And then <laughs> three years ago, we went to Italy. There's yeah. no way I'd ever just rely on a little point and shoot to take advantage of that trip. That yeah, was, yeah. you know, but I couldn't bring all that gear. So I made the choice. It was a uh, 24 to 72.8 and a D600 with no with no grip or battery pack. Yeah. That was as light as I could go with the most quality. And it was, I don't regret it at all. It was perfect. Perfect setup yeah. for it. So I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a video of what's in my bag this week and, and kind of show the new camera bag and all the stuff and how I've got it laid out. Not because I want to brag, but more because I want to get input from people on <laughs> what I should and shouldn't be taking with me on this trip. Lots Don of memory cards. You know what? We're going to talk about that in just yeah. a little bit. And number, and, and here's what I did too for the trip because I didn't know what I could buy out there. 
And I used to do this when I shot for CBS when I got out of college. I would do it with the batteries. And I always started this process and I would number them. So for mm-hmm. my memory cards, when now I had 12 of them, it was just, you know, ABC or one, two, three. I'd yeah. always start in the beginning. And number one, number two, if I'm on number four, I know one, two, and three are done. You're in the middle of something, something's happening. You got to change that card. You're like, ah, oh, which one's free? I don't want to record over that. You just go in, in sequence. So when you know when number 10, you're like, oh, I'm out. Well, you know what? I was thinking memory memory cards are so cheap. I was looking online right. at 32 gigabytes, SanDisk don't, don't Extreme. Don't buy 32? No. There's there's a couple of theories where number one is you could buy you should buy four gigs because they're significantly cheaper. And a four gig will fit on a DVD. So one card, one backup for But DVD you know route. that logic hmm. is sound except when you're talking about shooting video. Of and course. Lots of video. Then you go with a camera like a D six hundred that's got two slots, and you buy the huge ass card like I did for that one slot, and all my video went to that card. And all my stills went to the smaller cards. But I did. What, I did. What, what if I just get? So I'm going away for about ten days. What if I buy ten, thirty-two, or even sixteen gigabyte cards and just say one per day, no matter what? That's that's good. You know, and the other theory too is that, God forbid, you lose one, it crashes. It, you've lost thirty-two gigs of images. If I yeah. do four or eight gigs, okay, I'm not losing as much. So well, yeah, eggs in one basket. I put all of my eggs in one basket for another reason. Uh, I mean, I, I trust the memory cards. Uh, I spent a lot of money on the best memory cards that I could buy. And if it were to fail, well, it's more likely that the mechanical features inside of my camera are to fail uh, mm-hmm. than the memory card is to fail. But my my main contention here with that is um, the memory card safest place is inside my camera because mm-hmm. I'm clumsy. I'm going to lose Good things. Point. You know, I'm going to, you know, maybe I put it in my pocket. That pocket goes in the, wa- uh, you know, the, 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 the jeans go in the washing machine or what have you that could damage the card the safest place for the memory card is inside the camera unless your camera gets stolen of course uh but i mean chances are you're guarding that quite carefully so i've got big cards i got 128 and 256 gig memory cards oh geez Uh, and uh well i mean i I use that for when i'm around here and i'm shooting stuff in really really rapid succession i've filled up 256 gigs in a day when i'm photographing snowflakes or macro water droplets and i'm taking hundreds of pictures of exactly the same thing but the point is when I'm traveling, that card never leaves the camera and that camera never leaves my side. Uh, And I am putting my eggs in one basket to say, yes, I am trusting that memory card to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, For name brand cards, I have never been let down. Uh, Now for, you know, off brand stuff, I've had some horror stories being told Mm -hmm. to me. So, I mean, be very careful about what memory cards you trust. And I'll say this too. If you have a camera with dual slots, get two big cards and shoot to both. Yeah, and then those cameras back, can usually back, let you fire both. Uh, you know, yeah. at, one is a backup a duplicate. Yeah, I've of the done other. that too. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion about memory cards. There's some, there's some interesting breaking news that happened recently, and uh, we're going to talk about. So, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay we tuned. don't tune. Nobody tunes in anymore. <laughs> I know. Right. Sit tight. Stay tuned. Relax. Converse. All right, here we go. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by iFi. iFi has a brand new vision for helping you manage your photography. Here's how they look at photography workflows, old versus new. The old way, point, shoot, download, organize, backup, die of boredom, then rinse and repeat. The new way, point, shoot, and iFi. 
iFi pulls all of your original resolution photos from your digital camera and smartphone and puts them into a single, intelligently organized library. This library is then immediately viewable from all of your devices, and iFi backs up everything to the cloud as well as your desktop automatically. The best thing is you can try it for free today, twip.pro slash iFi. That's T-W-I-P dot P-R-O slash iFi. And we'd like to thank iFi for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, we are back. Okay, let's dive into this next story, which is kind of a continuation of the last story. And this one's about memory cards. Don Komaretska, you brought this to my attention just before the show. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know about it. What's uh, What happened? Well, uh, <laughs> SanDisk was bought by Western Digital. I mean, th- this is wow. huge news. And for not a small amount of money. I mean, SanDisk on its own is a huge company. Uh, so the going rate, uh, $19 billion. Nine. I, I don't even. My brain can't even wrap itself around billions of dollars. You know, millions a little bit, kind of, but billions like nineteen billion dollars. Wow, that's insane. So, what does this mean? Do you think? I mean, Western Digital is a company that I trust. I've got their drives all over the place. So. Yeah, I, I use Western Digital drives as well, and yeah. and I think that they they needed. To, I, I think the writing is on the wall for hard drives. I think that, uh, you know, as uh, you can get uh, six and even eight, and I'm sure that in some enterprise fashions, you can get up to 10 terabyte hard drives right now. Um, but that that technology, they are really trying to reinvent physics to cram more data onto spinning magnetic platters. Whereas when you just make the process technology of, uh, of, of transistors smaller, then you double the amount of space. I mean, it's, uh, it's a faster growing medium. And so you can get one, two, even four terabyte hard drives or, um, SSDs, solid state disks uh, for a computer. And yeah, the, the bigger capacities will cost you more than a very expensive camera right now. But that's, it, I mean, it's just silicon, you know. You, you, what, and it what, always what, goes down. It always goes down. It always gets cheaper. So, you know, looking five, 10 years from now, the hard drive space will be non-existent. So I think it was a really smart move for Western Digital to invest in a company like SanDisk, who they SanDisk has been producing not only memory cards, as we're very familiar with them, um, yep. but SSDs, and they've been building their brand around that. So if they can take that infrastructure of uh, the solid state disks using, uh, I think they've got a partnership with Toshiba uh, to, to produce their, their their flash memory. And so if they have that funneled into Western Digital, Western Digital stays that reliable and relevant uh, partner in uh, in storage. And, yeah. the, and Western Digital has never touched memory cards though, which is the interesting part of this. So it, I, I hope, I mean, they're paying a lot for the business and I'm sure SanDisk for a good chunk of their business is with memory cards that the quality will stay exactly as we expect it to be. And uh, maybe even a little bit better depending on where Western Digital wants to take that particular market. Uh, there's lots of advancements to happen in memory cards in the near future as well. The CFast format it hasn't gotten legs yet, but it might in the near future because Compact Flash is uh, is kind of winding down. And C-Past. SSD cards. What is that? C- I'm not familiar with that. CFast. CFast. Uh, as in a very speedy, uh, as in, uh, so CFast is a format that uh, I think the Nikon D4, if I'm not mistaken, has Mm -hmm. a CFast memory card slot and a, uh, another slot as well. Now this Mm -hmm. is the successor to, uh, to compact flash because, uh, compact flash is a really old tech. It uses the, the IDE communications of hard drives way back in the day, uh, before we, uh, translated that to, uh, uh, SATA drives. And so 
the maximum throughput that you could do for that was always limited. Uh, and they've really hit the ceiling with that. So in order to improve that technology, it, it's funny because you could actually take a really old computer that has the IDE uh, hard drive port and with a little adapter that just changes the pin sizes, plug a compact flash card into it and it reads it just It'll fine work. like it's a hard drive. It's the exact same protocol. So it's ancient. Oh. That technology is so old. So, you hear that, Dan? That's what you're rocking in your cameras. I know. I <laughs> Me, know. Too. I gotta, Me too. I got a drawer full of them. <laughs> and and so I, the, the the newer technology, of course, CFast will be the exact same physical size as a compact flashcard, but be using uh, a lot newer technology. And uh, I expect Canon to have that with their next flagship camera in the 1D series. Uh, it hasn't caught on across the market, but what I'm saying is the market is continuing to evolve. All of the old stuff is falling away, and if you don't stay on top of this, then you're you're left in the dust. You're left in the dust. Yeah. I want to and and check this out. I'm going to screen share with you guys for a second. Um, so look at this. So this is this is me shopping earlier, looking for oh SD cards to take on this trip. Look at this. This is a 32 gigabyte SanDisk Extreme Pro 95. This is a UH3 Class 10 card, which is great for recording 4K video to 32 gigs for 26 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, far less than a dollar a gigabyte. I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. You know, and I when I went to look at these, I you know I don't buy cards all the time, so I'm not like up on these card prices. I was expecting at least a one in front of that twenty six. You know, so at this number, this is why I said this Dan earlier. I'm like at this number, I could get you know looking at the sixteen gigabytes is twenty six two. So I could get thirty two. I could get a thirty two gigabyte card you know, like five of them and be good for the, for the whole trip and not repeat a card. Just keep recording, you know, treat them like film, essentially. Like, I mean, isn't this ridiculous? And yeah, because a few in a good years way? ago for the 600, those were the cards I, I bought, something similar to that. Um, not quite as fast, but, you know, the SD cards. And I got like 12 8 gig cards for maybe... 19 bucks a piece, 20 bucks a piece. Ah, you crazy. know, so now look yeah. at it. And look at the 64 gigabyte, you know, just just under 50 bucks for yeah. 64 gigs. That's the one Don Komarechka would buy. Yeah, the, D, the <laughs> D3 still has the uh, the compact flash, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell yeah. you, if there was 512 gig cards available when I made my last purchase, I would have bought one of them. Really? See, that's, that's interesting. So I'm I'm somewhat on the side of, of, of Dan. You know, I about the limit for me of comfort is around 3264. So 64 is kind of the, I feel like, okay, that's a lot of data to have on one little piece that if it goes away, it's in, you know, and it becomes unrecoverable or you, especially these things are like, you know, slightly larger than postage stamp, you know? So I, I somewhat subscribe to that all, all your eggs in one basket, but not down to the four and eight gigabyte level. I'm, I'm more at the 3264 level, especially if you're shooting video and doing all that kind of stuff. So, but the point there, is you balance you, this out. You Frederick, can do it. Perfect. Right, you can do it now for relatively cheap. I mean, it's it's crazy. I wonder. I'm wondering since you know, since Sandus got acquired by a much larger company, will these prices drop even further now? You know, it could, it could happen. I, I well, I if so. they want to stay competitive, and if Western Digital has the muscle, uh, if they have the capital to drop those costs to put pressure on the competitors, then you could have equal quality product for a cheaper price or a better product for the same price. If they really want to revolutionize, I mean, Sony's done this when they entered into the the, the camera market seriously with their mirrorless stuff, and they have made huge waves. Uh, so that it's not unprecedented yeah. that a uh, company can just jump in and reinvent things. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's really cool. Thanks for bringing that story to my attention, man. That's, uh, that's crazy. Like I said, I'm in the, literally these cards that I showed on the screen, they're in my shopping basket on, <laughs> on Just Amazon. Make sure you have enough of them. Yeah, I need more. Yeah, I already have a 64 gig. Yeah, I need to I need to get a couple more difference. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I know I'm not going to be shooting video the entire time, obviously, but I'm going to shoot a fair amount while I'm there. So I don't want to get into a situation where I can't do a certain thing. I, I've know? been so in I'm a situation to... once where I, at the time I had, I think a 32 and a 16 gig memory card. This is many years ago. And I was trying to record video of an event and um, th this guy, I was trying to do this interview, uh, and I was just, you know, I, I was the cameraman, and I'm, I'm looking at the memory card just getting filled up and filled up and filled up, and these guys are still talking. It's guys, wrap it up, you know, we're running out of I've space here. <laughs> I got nothing else to, to fill this with. So, yeah, th 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 those yeah. problems, I think those problems are gone. We'll, we'll never be in that scenario ever again. Um, yeah. But uh, well, you know, especially the worst. At the cost the there's a there's a different issue if you have a memory card that is not up to the speed that you're yeah. writing to it. it. Like with Panasonic cameras, I'm not sure what other cameras do, but with, at least with Panasonic cameras, they don't tell you. They just stop. <laughs> they stop. <laughs> They're like, oh, can't record anymore. All, all done. And you can still like Don, in your situation, you're still yakking and talking and. You know, and, and you're not recording anything, which is which is bad, which is why I think mean, that lesson I got taught that lesson once or twice. And after that, it's like, OK, I'm buying the fastest, bestest video card I can possibly get to put in my camera because I can't afford to be embarrassed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the same so. goes for photo. And that's why I think, you know, your camera that's 20 megapixels uh, traveling, that's perfect, perfect size. The, the D600 when I went a few years ago is 24 megapixels. Uh, I was thinking about the, bringing the 800 at the time, which is now the 810. But at yeah. 36 megapixels, the write speeds are much slower. It takes up that much more room. And I'm not printing, you know, 60, 90 inch images. So, and right. I don't plan on cropping right. too much either. So, you know, that's something to be considered too, is how, you know, how big do they need to be? And yeah counter that with the speed of the card and everything else yeah absolutely and and for me I, like i was saying i don't buy card these cards are great right like Don was saying i i can't remember last time i had a card fail but at the same time i want to refresh them from time to time because i don't want to get to the point of failure before i replace them but when you go and you look at these cards i'm like i i approach it from the standpoint of almost like a lens right it's like you don't skimp on your lens you know this this disc or this card is the fundamental mental fundamental reason why you are taking a photo it's getting recorded to this and nowhere else so why not get the best of the best especially if they're they're made so well it's gonna last you forever almost so you so don you so you seem to know about a lot about these cars so sandisk versus let's say alexar like the what do you think? Who's oh, that that's a Canon versus Nikon discussion. I mean, I it don't is. think anybody uh, ends up uh, as a winner. I mean, it all depends on reliability uh, in this yeah. particular case. And I think that they both are well beyond the bar that a professional photographer or an amateur or anybody that cares about their images would care to 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 buy into. You know that I, I think that if you go to I don't even remember the names of the off-brand stuff, but I mean, if you take any uh, random memory card that doesn't have either of those two names associated with it, um, you, you type that into Google and type problem or type uh, failure or type anything like that, and you will probably find that somebody has had that particular brand of card die. Um, yeah. That might be still true of Lexar and SanDisk, but to a much lesser degree. Uh, so you are putting trust 
trust in them. I think that either company produces exactly the same product very, very fast. I think Lexar just announced some even faster cards recently, and I'm it's always a cat and mouse game. Um, so when when more cameras are out there shooting 4K video with less and less compression because the cards can hold them together, uh, then yeah, it, I, I would not choose one or the other. I have made a sort of a brand loyalty decision to buy Sandisk cards, but I'm not even sure yeah. why. Uh, I, 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 like, I like the colors. I like, I like the black color, and red. You know what? Black and red, <laughs> those are nice colors. And so better than black and gold, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if that's what it comes down to, it comes down to branding. And I don't want to to hurt one of those brands over another when their products yeah, are identical. they're both fantastic. Yeah, I agree. But literally, I'm, I'm, you know, being flippant, of course. But Sandisk, I think the reason why I'm with Sandisk or why I use Sandisk cards is because like you said, that's what I've been using. And why not stick with something that's already been working? If you're with Lexar, why not stay with Lexar? Yeah, and I wanted to show you this. This is the micro SD, which oh, I yeah. did buy huge for this Samsung because it's just it's under the battery and it's in there. And this particular one, I don't want to be changing because it's, it's yeah, because you you let that thing be spring loaded and fly across the room. Yeah, <laughs> So that's a 32 gig SD card in there. And I never I never changed that one. Isn't so. that crazy though? Something I mean, that's that's literally smaller or around the same size as your pinky fingernail, and yeah. it's got thirty-two gigabytes of data on it. Somewhere in More my closet, I have a compact flash card that is four megabytes in size, uh, <laughs> and I dig that out as a comparison to students. It's like, look at how far we've come in such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when probably my uh, third job out of college, I worked for a computer dealership. Uh, selling. If you guys remember the Amiga Video Toaster, oh, I remember yeah. Video Toaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you have those old magazines, you could find me in there as Doctor Toaster. I used to write really? a column in there. Yeah. Yeah. Was oh man, I, I was too time. young. I lusted after getting one of those machines. You know, an Amiga. I, yeah. You know, I well, think we on, ended up getting over. a Commodore sixty four. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's more power in my phone well, these days. I think the thing is, we had the state of Illinois buy two machines at like five thousand dollars each. And they bought four gigabyte drives for three thousand dollars each. Oh, a four gig drive was three thousand dollars. Well, yeah, Dan, uh, a quick I sidebar. That. I was talking to uh, Tim Jennison the other day, who oh, that yeah. name will be very familiar to you because yeah, sure. he's the inventor of the video toaster. Sure is. Um, and uh, he uh, he participated in a documentary recently that is uh, narrated and produced by Penn and Teller. Sure. Uh, and this is called Tim's Vermeer. And I don't know mm -hmm. if I've mentioned oh, it on I this podcast that. before. Yeah, they're longtime friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so anybody that listening to this, you should absolutely go out and check out Tim's Vermeer. It is a wonderful. Uh, it's not necessarily my pick, but uh, you, you brought it up. And uh, it shows how uh, the Dutch painter Johannes Vermeer, about 350 years ago, mm -hmm. basically turned himself into a photocopier. Uh, and it, yes. it's, it's really cool. Check that out. It's a really good documentary. And Don, I actually thought about you when I was watching that because the, the, the attention to detail that they went through that he went to to recreate that painting or that painting style was reminiscent of you. Okay, so and here's what, what I'm going to do, Frederick. I, I, I contacted Tim. <laughs> he sent me replicas of the optics and the mirrors that he used in the film. They're in my closet right now. Uh, I what? am going... <laughs> I am going to be uh, taking some of my photographs and making photorealistic oil paintings of them using exactly those techniques. I'm going to start with some simpler stuff, but I'm going to be doing snowflakes and some crazy stuff. I have no idea if I'll be successful, but it's going to be a grand experiment. This you winter. need to record this. Yeah. You need to record. This I, I need to have like a little somehow. camera kind of above me that's yeah. just constantly doing a time lapse thing of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's cool. I'm gonna go rewatch that now. I feel like I'm uh, I'm re-inspired to see it again. <laughs> Very cool. All right, guys, we're gonna let's take another quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about CNET getting their hands on the newest lens baby lenses, and uh, we're gonna share our thoughts and their thoughts on the new hardware. We'll be right back. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with FreshBooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, we are back for story number three, and this is about the Lens Baby Composer Pro 2 and Edge 50. So let me read this little blurb that we have in the notes here. Lens Baby ups its game with a higher quality set of metal lens mounts and optics towards the goal of creating a new class of lenses for creative effects that includes the Edge 80 optic and the Velvet 56 lens. The Composer Pro 2 improves on the original Composer Pro with a better feel and build quality, while the Edge 50 optic brings the same slice of focus approach to the 50 millimeter that the Edge 80 did for 80 millimeter. So the pair costs of $425, uh, although if you already have a Composer, you'll still be, you'll still be able to use the Edge 50 and the CP2. They should work with many of your older optics. So it's interesting. So I wanted to, there's two things I wanted to tackle with this. Don, I want to start with you um, because you're you're the macro guy of the family, and you know yeah, you're you're our lens baby. <laughs> oh, <boy>. so, <laughs> so when you the these kinds of lenses, considering the kind of work you do with the close up of the, of the snowflakes, almost at the DNA level. 
Um, do these appeal to you or, or would you rather do this kind of thing in post? Well, okay. So th there's some things that you can't do in post. Like if you want to have, like if you have um, a, uh, a light, uh, source that's out of focus, you'll have a beautiful okay. bouquet around it. Uh, yeah. and you can't replicate that by blurring things in post. I mean, it would be always best to do that in camera. Um, now what this amounts to with this new system is it's basically a tilt shift lens, uh, more accurate with that edge 50 by the sounds of it again on paper, uh, as you would get from a dedicated tilt shift lens from Canon or Nikon or anybody else that manufactures them. And, uh, and so those lenses are not cheap. They are more expensive than this by a large margin. And because this system is flexible for creativity, I think that in, in the digital era, we rely too much on doing things in post. And I, I do so much in post processing. I would rather have some fun and creativity in camera. Um, part of that because you don't know what happy accidents you're going to stumble across, what uh, what things you're going to do that just become inventive. And then you're going to think, well, what if I do this? What if I try this? That are far more um, intuitive in your own brain and with the stuff in front of you than you would have as buttons in Photoshop. Um, so I, I'm a huge believer in sort of the, the, the lens baby system, even though I don't own one myself because I've got a lot of lenses that cover the same range of the stuff that they would do. But if you're looking for an all-in-one experiment, Experimental tool, man. The lens baby is a great option. The newer, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder, Don. Uh, both of you guys, Don and Dan, I want to have you chime in on this. But the the whole idea of yes, it's great, and I hear what you're saying that that spontaneity and explore, exploration and you know that, that you get when you're using a system like this. Um, but I wonder, on the devil's advocate side, if you you're doing a shot and you're like, okay, this is great, but there's too much vignetting over here or her eyes are out of focus. There's something to be said about being able to do that in post, right? There, so, there's, Dan, those are yeah, not questions ahead. that you should be asking when you're using this kind of equipment. And I'll, I'll let Dan <laughs> Accuracy. carry on from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually do have one of these. I've got one of the original ones. And, you know, what I found with it, on one hand, this thing keeps rolling up. On one hand, it's, you know, you think, oh, I could do that in post. But what happens when you put one of these on is it takes me back to photography school where you just spend time in the camera and just viewing and looking and trying to see things in different ways. So let's say you're on a cruise and on a ship and you know, you're there in one spot and you're just taking pictures. Eventually there's not a whole lot more to take pictures of. You're just kind of like taking the same thing. You put one of these on, you're seeing things differently, completely differently. And it just kind of opens up this exploration side of photography where like, Oh, what if I tried it like this? What if I tilted this way? Because I don't know if a lot of people know how these work when you put them on. And I think they're all, they all vary a little bit, but you can push and pull, you know, like, like you, like Don said, like, uh, like a tilt shift. Um, mm -hmm. but you do it more free form, you know, it's not, you don't have to worry about the measurements and dials and things. Um, and it just teaches you to see differently than you would if you were doing it in post-production. Now for me, a combination of both of those, I think is, is, really the you know best way to go um yeah. it's just it's a little pricey though so you really have to be a, a enthusiast a photography buff that just needs to get creative to, you know you, Man, that's what i was thinking that was the other piece thanks for bringing that up because i was thinking these look great and every time i see these i'm like oh man i gotta get that because i want to play with that right. i can do some cool stuff with that and then i think what almost 500 bucks to get in there and i think of the other normal lenses i could buy for 500 bucks mm -hmm. and and then my brain this is just my, my how my brain works my brain thinks okay you could go get this other lens or add some some money to it and get you know a traditional lens for that money 
and do that stuff in posts if you wanted to and still have a lens that you could use for portraits and all this mm-hmm. other stuff without having the lens baby effect on it. You can, I don't know. I you mean, can achieve it in post. Here's the thing. You can achieve that exact same look in post, but you're you're not going to see it. You know, when you're in the camera, you're looking at it. That's what yeah. you, you're creating. You're not going to know that that's what you're after. Exactly. Right? That's what I mean. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. You, when you're in the camera, you're, you don't know what you're going after until you see it with the lens baby. So. Um, so you said so, Dan. You own this lens, right? Or I own like one of the originals. Um, I don't. So remember how which often one. do you use it? <laughs> I was going to say because I own one of the originals too. He's moving around and, on my desk, <laughs> and I haven't. You not, and I don't want to. I don't want to. And you know, I don't either. Uh, they're terrific. Uh, you know, um, lens baby is awesome, and I love what they're doing for the industry, and I love any kind of innovation that happens for photographers. Um, but that first lens, when I got it, and you know, I was excited, and I used it a couple times, but and I think I got it because of Nicolzi. Because Nicole right. Young was, she was like hot and heavy on Lens Baby, and she probably still is to some degree. But she was really doing a lot of Lens Baby stuff. I'm like, hey, you know, good enough for Nicole's, good know, enough for me, and too. I got one. The last seven eight years, my photography was all professional, and mm-hmm. now that we've moved out of that, and I'm just doing it more for a few shoots here and there, but I'm speaking and teaching and doing it more for fun. I'm getting back into it, so I would bring that with me on vacations. Um, because that's when you're doing, you know, street photography, that's when you're doing more of that fun experimental stuff. You know, unless you really, really got a grasp of how to use that thing and exactly what you want, you're not going to get um, that exact shot. I think you know, your dogs some... are disagreeing with yeah, you. Somebody came in. Go ahead and go to him. I'll mute. Sorry. <laughs> your, dogs, your dogs are like, he's not telling the truth. No. We love Lynn's baby. <laughs> it's not something you want to bring on a, on a commercial shoot um, unless you really know exactly what you're doing. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. You wouldn't bring this, uh, you know, w- if you're shooting a wedding or doing portraiture or product photography, it doesn't really have a place in most professional workflows. And if you're a landscape photographer, then typically you're not going after this particular motif, right? Uh, but if you are uh, experimenting, if you're doing street photography, if you're going out on a photo walk, if you're just trying to do something inventive for your own exploration of photography, this makes yeah. a lot of sense. The same sense yeah. that having an infrared camera might make because you're experimenting in things that you can't see normally with your regular camera or through your own eyes and the more you experiment with this kind of photography, uh, I think it just adds up a, a bunch of sort of creative puzzle pieces behind the scenes that in the back of your head, you're just gaining a little bit of extra knowledge as to how these lines should connect together through the frame and, and how all of the, the, the rules of composition apply differently when you can selectively blur things that are actually very close to you that you shouldn't be able to do. And as soon as you can kind of connect those dots together, then that makes you a better photographer. Now, if you yeah. put yourself in the position to do that, then that's great. But most photographers don't force themselves into this learning mode, right? And so, yeah, you have to have the mindset in order to take advantage of it. Now, you mentioned the price too. This is like four hundred and twenty-nine dollars or so, four twenty-five. Like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that's a big chunk of change. But this is for the newest version of that that has a metal lens mount. And I'm sure you can dial back the clock and buy some used stuff or the older version that is probably still available at a cheaper price. And if you are trying to put yourself into that learning mode and experiment, then you don't need to spend this amount of money in order to do those experiments. But the latest and the greatest, it's there for those that want it. Maybe they've done the experiments and they found a place in their camera bag for this particular gear. Right now on the offset, most photographers don't know where this fits into their workflow. And that makes sense because they haven't explored it yet. 
You're right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it. It's a specialty lens. This is not a lens that will be in my bag all the time. This is a lens that I will, like you're saying, hey, I'm going out on a photo walk and I want to get some interesting shots of doorknobs with weird, you know, bokeh around them. You know, so I I grab this, I grab this lens and take it with me. Or I'm going on a model shoot and I know that I want to do some some interesting shots with with this particular set that we have going on. So I would I'd grab this lens, but it's not going to be an everyday lens that I pull out to to uh, capture spur but, of the moment. You know, but things. you also think about just having a camera with this on. You just pick it up, a mm. couple extra shots, and then, you know, they're not dealing with two lenses. And It's my lens baby camera. Got the little baby camera with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It teaches you to see. You know, that's what photography school was for me when I went studied photojournalism. It was all about teaching you to see. The gear mm. and, you know, all that stuff was just fun. You know, that was fun stuff. It was all just learning to see. And that's where he would send us out back in the film days. And here's 24 shots. Shoot twenty, shoot three rolls of 24 or 36 of that. Yes. And you yeah, learn to see. We got the same thing. Those are the good old days, yeah. man. <laughs> so I love that restriction. It's all gone yeah. now. And the lens baby <laughs> will let you do that. That's what's kind of cool about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at it again because as I go through the site and looking at it, it's like, wow, those are some awesome shots that they have on there. And this thing... They've got mounts for Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Micro Four Thirds, Pentax, Sony Alpha E, Sony Alpha A, and Samsung NX in here. So, Ooh. you know, it, chances are it will fit your camera. If that's you that's get what it. I have. Uh-huh. How about that? Interesting. I'll oh, see. You guys are spending my money. All right. Uh, let's, let's take another break, guys. When we come back, we're going to take a question from one of our listeners. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Stride Health, a headache-free experience that brings refreshing transparency to a notoriously impersonal and somewhat deliberately opaque industry, and that's healthcare. Open enrollment begins November 1st, so now is the time to get healthcare peace of mind. Explore your coverage options at stridehealth.com TWIP. Stride Health's intelligent algorithm compares 38 factors and searches thousands of plans to find your single and most effective and valuable plan, saving you over 400 bucks a year, and they get that decision back to you in 10 minutes. That's about 90 minutes faster than healthcare.gov. They also help you find in-network and effectual healthcare as well as discounts on prescriptions. A little known fact is that most healthcare plans come with many free benefits that few people utilize. Stride Health will build you a plan that takes maximum advantage of the free and preventative healthcare included with your health insurance plan. And lastly, photographers work on demand and so does Stride Health. Their experts are available year round to answer your questions and fight your battles for you. Once again, open enrollment begins November 1st. So now is the time to get healthcare peace of mind. Explore your coverage options today at stridehealth.com slash twip. That's stridehealth.com slash twip. All right, we're back. It's time for some listener Q&A. This week's question is from Darren Wadden. And Darren wants to know, well, basically, he's got a long question here. But basically, he wants to know um, why we don't talk about On1 as an alternative to Aperture, Apple's Photos, or Lightroom. So, uh, Dan Ablin, what do you think about this? So, first of all, I want to before you answer, On1 software is insanely great <laughs> you know they make some really good well-crafted attention to detail software so yeah i don't know why we don't talk about them as an yeah, alternative. I agree. why don't we 
Yeah, I think I think the main reason is because it's not, we don't when I look at on one, I think for, I don't know for better or for worse, I think a plugin. You know, no. I don't think I don't think processing well, engine, I think plugin for something else, not as the main thing, which is erroneous, right? So right. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think the uh actually kind of the same thing because that's how I think that's how it started. Um, yeah. And I know I have the full suite and I get in there and I play with it with a couple of shots and I use it on some Italy shots and then I kind of forget about it. Um, but it can be a full suite. And so I, I we have no. Uh, so tell our listener, we, <laughs> we have no excuse. Let's 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 make a show. We have we'll, no excuse. I know. I know Nicole it. Young is going to be doing some stuff. Um, I, I believe she said she's going to be doing some stuff, um, some training or something on her site for with on one. But. Yeah, yeah, I I know they if they haven't come out with their latest version, it's imminent. Um, so I'm definitely gonna dive in and play with it. Darren, thank you for that question because it has sparked me to go and dive in because you know I think the world right now, Don, I want to have you chime in on this. The world right right now in a lot of ways is you know looking for alternatives, right? Because you have Apple Photos, a lot of people say it's too consumery. You have Lightroom, which you have to be part of the Creative Cloud to get, you know, and Aperture's gone and on and on yeah, and on. I, I so, really want there to be competition for Lightroom right now because if there's no competition, there's no reason to innovate. There's no reason to put the R&D into making it better for all photographers. Um, I don't think that I would change my workflow, though. Right now, yeah. I am dealing with Lightroom and Photoshop primarily, and I use on one when I know they can do a better job on certain things. Like I use their perfect resize when I'm doing scaling for printing and all this kind of stuff. Um, oh, and and okay. they, they have some great bits and pieces in there. Um, and uh, and so I, I think that it's a completely different environment. It's an environment that if you, uh, if you have a foundation of Lightroom and Photoshop, you can easily add on one into that environment. But it would not be your exclusive tool set, uh, right? It, it, it's going to be in addition to whatever else that you're also using. And I'm sure that it can run independently. I, I'm not I'm not debating that at all. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that a lot of other photographers, when they're looking to organize their work, when they are, uh, it's powerful, but it's not necessarily as flexible as all of the nitty gritty under the hood stuff you can do in Photoshop, right? So you can might maybe accomplish very similar stuff, but if you want to tweak it to the degree that you can in Photoshop, well then, you know, Photoshop is your tool for that. So I think it, yeah. it fits very, very nicely that there's a nice synergy between it and the other tools available, uh, which doesn't help competition either, you know, because it, 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 it is in, in addition to not in competition with, uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, everybody should be using more than just Photoshop and Lightroom and on one Nick software, there's lots of them out there, uh, accomplish much the same goals and uh, help us stay creative really. Yeah, no, I love it. But look for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a geek's geek, right? So I'm always trying out new things. I want to play with new software and see how, you know, it's how they tackle a particular set of problems and what new powers it gives me as a photographer. But when you boil it down to the salt, I mean, I've been using Photoshop since version two, you know, so I'm familiar with Photoshop. I can I can make that thing moonwalk and, you know, <laughs> break dance and do the nay nay, all that stuff. If I want to, I can. Yeah, yeah. Photoshop and I go way back. So I'm comfortable in there. It's like an old pair of shoes. So so when you say, OK, there's these there are all these other tools, it's like, OK, but these shoes fit me really, really well. And those shoes look great and are shiny and hip, but I don't know if it's going to fit me as well. So even though they may be better, 
the curmudgeon and the old man in me is like, yeah, let me go back to my old tool, you know, because it just works for me. Dan, are you the same way? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many tools I've downloaded. Um, Photoshop knockoffs or faster, you know, I think Affinity Designer, you know, it was so cool. It just came out right. of beta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, oh, this is great. I use it. I'm like, okay, well, I not got a job. Let me go back into Photoshop, <laughs> you know, and that's nothing against the software. It's just that comfort level. Um, you know, you're, you're hitting keyboards equivalents without even thinking about it, things like that. Yeah. But, um, it's like your girlfriend when you always go back to your wife, right? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, but one thing I just... Oh, he's sweating. Look at the no, sweat coming. No, no, 19 years. I'm not even worried about that. Um, <laughs> no, but one kidding. thing I just looked about, I was just thinking about, I'm like, uh, Matt Kwaskowski um, from Scott Kelby, if you remember, yeah. Matt, yeah. he left there a year or two ago. He's VP of photography for On One. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I it's, it software's a big deal. So, uh, and Matt, Matt, I trust Matt. I and anything too. that Matt yeah. ties his name to has got to be yeah. pretty dang good. Right. So, so, especially if he ties his name and the well being of his family to it, that's, you know, that says a whole lot to do it. So, so Matt, yeah, we're yeah. going to, we're going to get on board with this and we'll do some, uh, We'll do some more coverage, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the listener, who's the listener? Darren Wadden, thank you for uh, for lighting the fire. I think the TWIP crew is now going to dive into software like On One, specifically On One, and look at them, and probably some others as well. And then we'll uh, we'll report back to you what our findings are. I think I need to I need to take those old shoes off and try on some new shoes. <laughs> well, and see and how real that goes. Quick, you know, you're talking about Lightroom Aperture, which I don't know if people still even use. Yeah. Um, what's the other one that all the medium format cameras use? Uh, capture oh, one. Uh, capture one. Capture yeah. one. Capture one. Mm-hmm. You know, we should maybe be doing more of that because you can certainly mm-hmm. use capture one with their cameras. People just think, Oh, well that's for our big Mamiya digital bags. We don't use Not it anymore. No, you can yeah. still use yeah. it. So I've heard really good things about the capture one's raw processing engine mm-hmm. and the people that use it, uh, tell me that it runs rings around Lightroom and Photoshop's raw processing engine. Yeah, so I haven't and, seen it. And I, I just uh, I picked up the DxO Optics Pro 10 pack the other day when it was uh, oh, on right. sale from B&H because uh, it has a really, really good noise reduction feature in there, their prime noise reduction. So, I mean, all of these different bits and pieces come together to, to develop into what, what amounts to our full workflow. Um, but see, that's that's the problem, though. See... The, all these bits and pieces are great, but for me, it's you know I'm a path of least resistance kind of guy. You know, I just want I just want to get in, do my stuff, and get out. You know, I don't want to I don't want to have to say okay, that's what we were doing in the old days. Remember, it was like okay, we need this piece to do that, and then you get this, and then you know this hardware you need. Remember, you yeah, plug your printer in and use this SCSI adapter <laughs> and a Terminator on there, and you know all, all this stuff just to do simple things. I don't want to go back to the world well, of having I, having to Frankenstein something together in order to get my workflow to sure, work. Sure, but I mean, I, I'm I, I'm path of re- at least re- resistance for sure, but I'm also a path to perfection. You know, like I don't care mm. if I have to go through a maze to get the absolute best possible results for certain things, not for everything, but for certain things, and I'm willing to go down that maze and put all of those pieces together to make it happen. But for Can the majority of my work... Can it be and less, least resistance? I want both yeah you know what we don't have it yet i wish we did (laughs) well you know there's there's you know i i can't live doing any portraits without image nomic portraiture oh yeah i love that it's just a staple and when when i've reformatted my system and i re-download photoshop and i go to edit i'm like where oh that's right it's a plugin i mean that's how much i rely on it as part of photoshop so yeah you will you know i think that's the important thing about trying out all these tools 
is that they will become part of your workflow once you realize how good they are, the noise reduction for DXO mm-hmm. or imagenomic portraiture. Um, and it's just, it's just a staple with your regular workflow. Um, I know. Yeah. Like you, you, you talk about technology and I remember before I discovered ImageNomic, uh, ImageNomics portraiture plugin, um, there was this recipe of steps that I would go through to retouch a photo, you know, channels and noise, add noise and this and, you know, difference in median and all this crap in order to, to get to a point where you can get to automatically out of the box just by running the plugin with this software. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, again, path of least resistance. I think my, my laziness is shown. <laughs> it's age. <laughs> or age, or maybe it's smart. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Cool stuff, guys. Lots of really good conversation today. Um, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tans- to tackle on the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link and send us a question or leave us a voice message. All right, we're almost at the end of the show. Uh, let's real quickly dive into our picks of the week. Remember, guys, you can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Dan Ablin, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. What is your pick of the week? Um, I had a couple in there. Um, one of them was just because I was thinking about it and some of our finest portraits we've done were with some lighting and some backdrops from Seamless Photo from Port DC. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to give him a shout out because he makes great stuff. But this other thing, which is actually really interesting, there's a link I put in there. It's called themomentblog.com. Mm-hmm. And it's, he took a one second, they're, they're essentially... Um, Flixels, but I don't think you use Flixels. I believe he said it's a custom camera. Uh, If you read the about, the moments is a blog of photos from a custom built camera. Each photo is a moving portrait of someone, a moment that is under a second of actual time. The photo is an expansion of that time. The idea is to show that is to show more than a still photo, um, how it can represent more than just a single moment. So, um, so check that. It's just something cool, you know, nothing to buy, nothing to show, just, uh, you know, I love those. It's just, it's just, you know, there's so much imagery out there and so much content um, that we're, it's nice to see something kind of new and refreshing. Um, And then my last one, which I didn't actually put on the list, uh, I just got a copy of, and I don't know if you talked about this in previous shows, uh, Chris Orwig's new book, The Creative Fight, Create Your Best Work and Live the Life You Imagine. Oh, we should get Chris on to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great book from uh, my publisher, Peach Pit. Um, So yeah, so, so check that out. Chris Orwig, just punch it in in Amazon and uh, that book will come up. It's a great, great book. Very cool. Thank you, sir. Sure. Very good picks of the week. All right. Don Komareczka, what about you? What's your pick of the week? Oh, we lost him. <laughs> oh, no. He went back to the website. It went down. That's that amazing. You got to get back in here. Right there. Oh, man. What a tease. If you use the offer code TWIP on it the website, go- you get... <laughs> That's unprecedented timing. Thanks, oh Google. Gosh. We appreciate that. All right. Well, maybe Don will show back up in here. If he doesn't, we'll uh, we'll put that link in the uh, in the show notes for this episode. That is crazy that he got cut off right at that second. <laughs> All right. While we're waiting on him to rejoin, hopefully he'll rejoin. Um, I will talk about my pick of the week, and that's this new guy that I just got mm. today. This. Oh. Uh, let's see if I can lock it on me so I can. Let's lock the camera here on me. Okay, so this is the Panasonic Lumix GX8. This is their new, uh, I guess, kind of semi-flagship. The um, 
the GH4 obviously is the flagship camera in the Lumix line. And this one does a lot of things that the GH4 doesn't even do, including in-body image stabilization, as well as if you have a lens that's image stabilized, it will use both simultaneously to stabilize the image beyond anything that's on the market today. So it's got that. It's got the, what I demand, this articulated LCD. So I get that in there. Um, and it's just kind of a really good weather sealed, good feeling camera. So it's a Panasonic Lumix GX8. Um, I just picked it up from Amazon. It was around 1100 bucks for the body only. So it's not cheap, but it, uh, you know, it's, I think this camera will be my daily driver for, you know, the next couple of years or so. So that's my pick of the week. Don Komarechka, you got cut off, man. You said, you said you convinced them to give us a TWIP discount. and then I, I want to plug something coming up uh, very soon. <laughs> it's uh, November 7th. It's a day-long presentation that I have. Uh, it's a whole seminar in Sarnia, Ontario, uh, which is in southern Ontario. It is a, uh, it, it's right on the border with the U.S. So if you live in uh, uh, northeastern uh, United States, then come on, check this out. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's only $50 to, uh, to, to sit in on this seminar. And um, uh, so it's uh, November 7th, and I'll put okay, a link in the perfect. show notes, but uh, you'll find that through the Sarnia Photographic Club. Uh, they're hosting me there for a whole day of a lot of fun. There will be propeller hat moments. There will be editing workflow. There will be pro- professional, how the heck do I make a career out of what I do? And uh, a lot about how we see the world and the psychology and the science and everything wrapped into that. It's going to be a great day. I think I think I have a subscription to that already. I think thanks to you. And it uh it is a beautiful magazine and I look forward to it. So it's it's I think it's this the two magazines that I get that I'll confess to are Outdoor <laughs> Outdoor Photography Canada and um Rangefinder. Those are the two you know, kind of the two magazines that come to my house that are photography related. So yeah, thanks for doing that. And thanks for that discount. That's that's awesome. 20%, huh? All right, guys, Uh, we are at the end of another episode of TWIP. This is episode 436 in the can. I want to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. That includes Backblaze, FreshBooks, and iFi. Guys, before we uh, end the show completely, Dan, where would you like the TWIP listeners to go to connect with you? Believe it or not, we finally got the website back together so they can go straight to danablin.com. Perfect. All right, Don Komarechka, what about you? You can find me at doncom.ca. That's D-O-N-K-O-M.ca. Everything is linked there. And find me on your favorite social media platform, including Flickr. Wonderful. Very cool. Exciting and expensive show. I'm still I still have that lens baby page up to go, <laughs> to, go to go look at later. I may uh, hopefully I won't pull the trigger, but I'm I have a feeling I might. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again, uh, listeners, for listening to this episode. Remember, also check out our website at thisweekinphoto.com. Follow us at This Week in Photo on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs>